Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into your life and into this world. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on We Need to See Things from God's Perspective. God sees his entire creation in its place in the universe. His perspective is unbounded by time or place. But God also has a much closer perspective on individual lives. He knows our circumstances, trials, and failings. He longs to have a relationship with us that we might know him. And Rook Warren writes, God wants to show you his perspective through the Bible. This plan of mind is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours, Isaiah 55, 8. So imagine that you're driving up a mountain. The road is twisting and turning and you're stuck behind an incredibly slow car. You think if I could just see around the corner, I could pass this car. Then a helicopter flies by and the pilot radios down. I can see two miles ahead. It's okay for you to pass. What's the difference between you in the car and the pilot in the helicopter? Well, it's perspective. The pilot had a much bigger perspective than you, so he could help you know the next move to make. Your relationship with God is the same. He has a much bigger perspective on your life than you do. God wants to share his perspective with you, and he does that through the Bible. God's perspective helps you understand the big picture, the reasons behind what he does and what happens in this world. Without God's perspective in your life, life can be full of constant frustration. You spend your days asking questions you can't answer. Why is this happening to me? Why is that happening to other people? What is the purpose of this? What is the meaning of life? The answers to those questions are found in God's perspective. Have you ever tried to do something thinking it would work out but found that it didn't? You lacked perspective. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a person, but eventually it ends in death. By gaining perspective, you get outside your own way of thinking and learn to think like God does. Psalm 103.7 says, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The people of Israel saw what God did. The opening of the Red Sea, the manna, the miracles with water and more. But God let Moses understand the why behind what he did. He gave Moses his perspective. How can you get perspective? By studying God's word. In the midst of lockdowns and social distancing, two themes seem to be popping up now more than ever in conversations. Social media, the radio, and anywhere else people speak their minds. Those themes are one, people are bored, and two, people are consuming lots of entertainment. As Christians, we do not want to step right out and say that this entertainment increase is entirely wrong, but we do want to approach it with discernment. The Bible encourages proper rest and recreation in the right moderation and for the right purpose, but what we are seeing might be missing the mark. Our country is facing a seriously challenging situation with, with this pandemic. And as with any challenging situation, there are several spiritual pitfalls that we can fall into as we try to cope. The entertainment explosion might be a manifestation of the pitfall known as escapism. We can be tempted to simply occupy ourselves with all sorts of things so that we do not have to focus on our problems. Another pitfall would be to enter self-preservation mode. This would be those healthy people who are so inordinately concerned about catching the virus that they are unwilling to help those who are actually at risk. 
Additionally, we could be caught in the pitfall of being inward focused. We could simply use this lockdown as a time to better fulfill our own needs and desires rather than paying attention to others. These pitfalls take our focus off of God and others, and they preoccupy us with self-fears and some distractions. Getting caught in any of these pitfalls, especially right now, would be very dangerous and costly to us. God is trying to teach all of his children something right now in the midst of this crisis. But these pitfalls could cause us to miss what it is that God is teaching us. The pandemic has certainly left many people in need. But if we are caught in a pitfall, that, then we would miss the needs that God is trying to show us. If any of those needs are a part of God's plan for us to meet, but we are too preoccupied with whatever pitfall we are stuck in, then we could miss the ways that God wants to use us. In our attempts to handle the situation in our own ways, we will lose out on the better plans God has for those who will handle this crisis by faith in Him. So how are we supposed to handle the coronavirus, or any scenario in life for that matter? The answer is that we must keep God's perspective during whatever scenario we face. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Our understanding is limited and fallen. Even our wisest moments are like foolishness to God. But God's understanding is infinite out of Psalm 147, 5. Since God's understanding is infinite and ours is not, we must adopt the perspective that he teaches us in his word. If we will do that, trusting that his perspective is best, he will direct our paths. For a good example of what I'm seeing through God's perspective looks like in action, we hop back to about 444 BC in the kingdom of Persia to find the king's cupbearer, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a Jew who is in his lifetime witnessed a return of the people of Israel from a time of captivity. Unlike many of his people, he did not return home, but remained in Persia where he maintained the influential position of the king's cupbearer. In Nehemiah chapter 1, we have an account of how Nehemiah responded to a distressing situation that he discovered his people were in. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shishan, this citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem, at a Nehemiah 1, 1 and 2. The first way that Nehemiah shows that he has God's perspective is by actually asking how people are doing. But this was not just a flippant, how are you, expecting the other people to promptly answer good, and you? Nehemiah actually wanted the details about his people. It's important to note, as the king's cupbearer, Nehemiah had a pretty secure life. His position was high and very important, with lots of time in the king's presence, and even opportunities to advise the king if requested. Nehemiah could have simply ignored his own people and remained comfortable, but instead he cared enough to find out how they were. He wanted to bear their burdens. Nehemiah's care for his people shows us that having God's perspective causes us to care about others the way God cares about them and about us. Philippians 2 urges us to put the needs of others before our own just as Christ humbled himself in his sacrifice for us. Many of us have comfortable lives even during lockdown and if we aren't careful 
we can lose God's perspective in our desire to stay comfortable and avoid the inconvenience of other people's problems. God always wants us to bear one another's burdens in love, and He has greater plans for us than temporary comfort can offer. We need to keep God's perspective by staying attuned to the lives of those around us, or we will miss the ways that God wants us to serve. And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven, out of Nehemiah 1.4. Nehemiah's question had an answer that affected him deeply. When he discovered that the people of Jerusalem were distressed and vulnerable, he began to do two important things, weep and pray. First, Nehemiah's weeping shows us that having God's perspective causes us to mirror God's heart towards his people. In God's great declaration to Moses in Exodus 34, one compassion on his people, even though their distress was the result of their sin, and Nehemiah's tears shows us that he knew his God well enough to respond in tune with him. Can the same be said of us? Have we been changed by meditating on the glories of our God in Scripture to the point that we mirror His compassion for suffering people? Whether we have or have not, we must persevere in the Scriptures to know our God and allow ourselves to be made more like Him. Second, Nehemiah's prayer shows us that having God's perspective causes us to involve God in every area of our life. Nehemiah wanted to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, which was definitely more of a physical thing than a spiritual one. The spiritual significance of the wall of the city was not as important as something like the temple. But Nehemiah still desperately wanted God to be involved with it. Nehemiah understood that God is not only concerned about the spiritual parts of our lives, but the physical things as well. In Matthew 6, Jesus told us not to worry because our Father in heaven cares for our physical needs. God wants us to involve him in every aspect of our lives. And if we do not, we will become miserable because we have shut God out of a part of our lives. Scottish novelist George MacDonald is quoted saying, In whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. Anything done without God successful or not, will not mean anything for eternity. Jesus summed up everything done without him as nothing in John 15:5. Many of us are guilty of separating our lives into the categories of secular and sacred. There are the parts of creation that we do not involve God in, and there are parts that we think we should involve him in. In reality, God wants to be involved with our entire lives. Whatever we do is supposed to be done to the glory of God, out of 1 Corinthians 10:31. If we do not involve him in certain areas of life, it could mean that we have misguided view of what God thinks is important, that we are trying to hide something from him, or that we do not believe that the things we do will matter in eternity. We must be like Nehemiah, remember God's attributes and talk to him about every area of our lives. Our Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. 
I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer out of Nehemiah 1.11. Lastly, Nehemiah was not content to just pray. He was also prepared to take action. As we already noted, Nehemiah was in the position of comfort that did not require him to reach out and help his struggling people. But he did anyway. He wanted to be part of God's plan to keep his covenant and bless his people when they returned to him. Though he had no way of knowing how God would open up an opportunity for his involvement, Nehemiah prayed that God would open up the opportunity through the king. God answered Nehemiah's prayer, and so began Nehemiah's great construction job. Nehemiah's willingness to act shows us that having God's perspective causes us to take the opportunities God gives us to act on our own burdens. Nehemiah's pattern, first a burden, then prayer, then action, shows us the complete way to respond to the scenarios of life. How many times have we meant to do something about a burden of ours, but when the opportunity came, we passed it by? These missed opportunities due to our wrong perspective might even be a cause of the boredom in our lives. May we rather labor to keep God's perspective in all of life, responding rightly to whatever His providence brings our way. So next I'm going to play you a song by Tommy Walker, and it's called Worship is the Way. And here it is. Worship is the way I find His love. Worship is the way I find His peace. Singing holy is the Lord. Worship is the way I find His strength. Encouraged to press on in his righteous ways When I sing worthy is the Lamb And Lord you always give out of your boundless grace Your blessings overflow whenever I sing your praise Singing holy are In all, I stand. In all, I stand. In all, and worship you. So I
Hey, what a great song by Tommy Walker. Here's what Tommy said regarding this song. This song speaks to many of the powerful things that can happen when we worship. Here are five focus points. One, truth. One of the most powerful things that happens when we worship is that God's truth and the many truths about God are declared. And number two, focus. What has our attention is what has us. Worship, like nothing else, has a way of putting the character, nature, and activity of God before us and placing all of the distractions of worries of life into the distant background. And number three, perspective. When we get the glimpse and reminder of just how glorious our God is, we come face to face 
with the blessed reality that our problems are small compared to the greatness of our God. Number four, relationship. A significant scripture for me is Psalm 25, 14. Friendship with the Lord is with those who fear him. To them, he tells the secrets of his covenant. One of the ways we actively fear and reverence the Lord is through worship. And number five, closeness. Our Lord comes close as we praise and adore him. He dwells in, occupies, and makes his home in our praise. So next, I want to read you a story, and it's called God and the Spider. During World War II, a U.S. Marine was separated from his unit on a Pacific island. The fighting had been intense, and in the smoke and the crosshair, he had lost touch with his comrades. Alone in the jungle, he could hear enemy soldiers coming in his direction. Scrambling for cover, he found his way up a high ridge to several small caves in the rock. Quickly, he crawled inside one of the caves. Although safe for the moment, he realized that once the enemy soldiers looking for him swept up the ridge, they would quickly search all the caves and he would be killed. As he waited, he prayed, Lord, if it be your will, please protect me. Whatever your will, though, I love you and I trust you. Amen. After praying, he lay quietly listening to the enemy begin to draw close. He thought, well, I guess the Lord isn't going to help me out of this one. Then he saw a spider began to build a web over the front of his cave. As he watched, listening to the enemy searching for him, all the while the spider layered strand after strand of web across the opening of the cave. Ha, he thought, what I need is a brick wall, and what the Lord has sent me is a spider web. God does have a sense of humor. As the enemy drew closer, he watched from the darkness of his hideout and could see them searching one cave after another. As they came to his, he got ready to make his last stand. To his amazement, however, after glancing in the direction of the cave, they moved on. Suddenly, he realized that with the spider web over the entrance of the cave looked as if no one had entered for quite a while. Lord, forgive me, prayed the young man. I had forgotten that in your spider's web is stronger than a brick wall. So we all face times of great trouble. When we do, it is easy to forget the victories that God would work in our lives. Sometimes, in the most surprising ways, as the great leader Nehemiah reminded the people of Israel when they faced the task of rebuilding Jerusalem, in God we will have success. Out of Nehemiah 2.20 Remember, what is happening in your life with God, a mere spider's web, can be a brick wall of protection. Believe he is with you always. Just speak his name through Jesus, his son, and you will see his great power and love for you. Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile from Albert Einstein. We live in a very materialistic and self-centered society here in the U.S. According to the Census Bureau annual report on poverty, America poverty levels have only increased over the years, even despite gross domestic product growth, soaring corporate profits, and some modest increases in total jobs, and declines in unemployment. People are still talking about the 99% long after the Occupy movement because the margins between social classes are still much too large. This depth of inequality and poverty that we are experiencing in this country only exposes just how much people only look out for themselves. Practically everything that goes on in this world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. 
The world and all its wanting, 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 is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Out of 1 John 2, 16 and 17. When we live only to please ourselves, when, then we really have no interest in God and we distance ourselves from him. According to the world and what our society tells us, all we are meant to do is achieve, get ahead, and live for ourselves. The message the world sends is to be selfish and that we always need more. God sends us a different message. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, don't push your way to the front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever. Out of Philippians 2, 1 and 9. Jesus sets the ultimate example, and instead of taking advantage of his power, being God in human form, he humbled himself and became a servant to us all. He showed us that life is not about status and privilege, but that this life is meant to be lived for others. He believed and trusted in God's way of living so much that he was willing to suffer and even die for us. The only way to tell if this actually means something to you is what you do with your life. As a result, do you live to help other people and serve them, or are you too busy and occupied with your own issues? It's easy to be self focused, but a relationship with God gives us more reasons to love when we are focused on all God does for us. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life. Not a day goes by without unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming of good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Out of 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. The Bible calls us to live by faith, and that means not having our belief in things we see, the material world, but instead to look to God and the eternity that he has set up for us goes beyond this world. It may sound grim, but each of us are only getting older, and one day we all will die. Life looks pretty sad when you think about it like that. God, on the other hand, changes our perspective and actually renews us from the inside out and gives us completely new life. 
This is the only thing that can truly get us through the hard times that comes and get through them with a smile. Let's change our perspective and stop following the way our society tells us to live and start living the way God calls us to live. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham called Who is God? And here it is. Who is God? What have you substituted for God? How can you get back to God? Nobody, of course, can fully define God. But we do know some of the things he is. For one thing, he is a God of love. He is capable of loving and being loved. He has hands to help us, arms to uphold us, eyes to search us, feet to pursue us, and a compassionate heart to love us. The fact is, we were created for his fellowship in his image and likeness. If God is all of this and more, why should men forget him? Sin is the alluring attraction. We have forsaken God because we love sin more. You must be willing to acknowledge your sins. You must be willing to turn your back upon sin. And then you must turn to something. And that something is the cross of Jesus Christ. The reason that Jesus Christ died on the cross was to take your sin. And you can turn back to God through Christ. There is no way to God today except through Jesus Christ. And there is only one place that God will meet a repentant sinner, and that is at the foot of the cross of his son. So that does bring an end of our episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And my closing prayer, as always, is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. Next week's episode is going to be on God's light. Hey, you can get me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. Hope everybody had a great week. God bless. We'll catch you next week.